You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. We're going to continue this morning on this subject of keep moving forward. We've been talking, this is our third week in this series. If you uh, were not here the last couple of weeks or you haven't in one way or another picked up those, those two sessions, I strongly encourage you to get those sessions because we laid a lot of scriptural groundwork for what we're going to talk about today. I want to transition to talking just through a couple of lists this morning of uh, the first one is of immobilizer systems, things that will keep you from moving forward, things that will freeze you up in your walk with God. And then I want to talk about some principles that you can apply. So we're going to kind of go through a couple of very practical lists. But you really need the foundation. We laid a lot of foundation in these last two weeks from the scripture about the fact that God himself, uh, his, his call on our life is always forward. It's into growth. It's, we say upward, by that I mean deeper, into intimacy with the Lord. We, uh, we looked the first week at the verses in the first chapter of Joshua, where the Lord came back and talked to them. Moses had died, and he, he talked about leaving that past behind and moving forward into the call that God had on Israel at the time. We pulled that apart. This last week, we were looking at Philippians chapter 3 and and some of these verses that are on your screen right now, the, that uh, Paul gave us these great statements about the fact that his determined purpose in life was to know Christ intimately and deeply and progressively. All right, that, that word know right there has all of that in it. That there's this idea that it's a relationship. It's not knowing about Christ. It's not having book learning about Christ. It's not being able to answer the test about Christ. It is about pouring into relationship. And he goes on and he makes these statements about the fact that he is pursuing this. He is straining forward. He's leaving the past behind. He's straining forward to what is ahead in order, he said, to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of him. And we, we broke down all of those words and, and looked at what the Bible's saying there. And it's talking about the fact that Paul is giving his utmost. He, every fiber of his being is stretching forward, straining forward in pursuit of something. He's, he's running after something. And, it's not that, and that something is that intimacy with Christ. And it's not that God is uh, holding that away from him. The point is that, in fact, in fact it says... For that very reason, intimacy with Christ, Jesus came and pursued us and took hold of us. And Paul's saying, in response to that, I pursue in order to, we saw that the verbiage there really means in order to tackle and take possession of that for which Christ took possession of me. So it's, it's not a passive Christianity. It's not a, it's not a sitting on the sidelines watching the game. It is a very intense pursuit of the relationship with God. Again, not because God's withholding anything, because this is the way it works. Any, any relationship, any relationship that you want to have and, and be a good relationship, 
you will have to put something into that relationship. You will have to, if you want a long-term relationship, you will have to pursue. You will have to continue to pursue. You will have to, for married couples, it's a great idea to continue to read some books on marriage. Take some information is maybe in. Maybe go to a conference once in a while. Continue to work on your marriage. It's just the way relationship works. Otherwise, they just get stagnant and we miss a lot of what's available to us in those relationships. So, we laid a lot of foundation in that, and I just want to go ahead and move forward into these lists. These lists could be much longer than what I have here for you. Um, this is just what I felt like the Lord wanted us to focus on this time around in this kind of subject. So, so let's talk about these things. These are immobilizers. These are strategies that the devil will use to keep you in place. These are things you don't have to allow into your life. You don't, but you have to watch your own heart, guard your heart, watch over your life, and keep track of some of these things. And so the first one is fear, okay? Not any surprise to any of us. The first one is fear. We have to realize that uh, fear and faith do stand in opposition to one another, and they work very much the same. Faith Uh, I don't like any of the language we have to describe this, so I hope you'll understand it. But but faith draws on the grace of God. Faith draws spiritual activity. Our faith toward God draws on what he has poured out. It increases angelic activity over our life. It, it keeps us in that flow of the favor of God. Fear does the same thing in reverse. Fear is just believing the lies of the devil. Fear comes when we believe what he says and more than we believe what God has said. And fear, and all of us know this, it will cause us either to freeze up or flee. Right? People, and, and we see this, we see this in the natural. We, um, you know, sometimes when something startles us or something happens, you know, car accidents, various things that happen in our life, we just, it, it affects our body that way. It affects our mind that way. We just freeze up. We just stop. Okay, the same thing can happen spiritually, that we just freeze up. We just stop moving forward. We forget everything we've ever learned about the Lord and everything we've ever learned from the Word. We just kind of freeze up. And, and the other case is that sometimes it, when something startles us, when something comes, we'll just run, we'll just flee, we'll just spontaneously knee-jerk, make a decision and go. And I think the classic example of that is deer by the road, you know? I mean, it makes no sense for them to look at you, see you coming down the road, get scared, and then right, run right out in front of you. They just burst out in front of you, you know? And, and it's, it's just their, nat- their natural reaction to fear is to run. They trust their legs. That's what they do. Okay, I got that. I'm okay with that. Okay, they can un- outrun a lot of predators. I'm good with that. But this bursting out in front of us, it's, it's just so dumb, you know? It's just dumb. But it's, But we do the same thing sometimes. Something happens in our life, And we just go to whatever it is. If we haven't built enough trust in God 
to realize that we can stop, we can begin to apply some aspect of his word right there, we can trust him in this, we don't have to react to everything that gets thrown into our life. If we haven't built that foundation, we many times will just do the same thing. We'll we'll move, we'll uh, break off relationship, we'll leave the church, we'll go, we'll do this, we'll whatever, whatever it is. And then a while later, we'll be going, why did I do that? That was a really bad idea. It was fear. You know, fear is uh, a bad thing and God never motivates us with it. So uh, it'll cause us to make spontaneous bad decisions or put our trust in the wrong thing, okay? It causes, a lot of times it causes people just to stop in their tracks. And in 1 Kings uh, 18.21, it says, Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you halt and limp between two opinions? So, so this verse is about being double-minded, really. But, but in that sense, it's like, well, here's this, and here's this. Which one should I do? And so often when there's fear at work in our heart, we can't hear the voice of God. We can't make a clear decision. And I love this. The, again, the terminology here means exactly that. This word to halt, some of your translations say, will hesitate between two decisions. We can't make a solid decision and move on with it. We'll halt. And that word means to, to uh, limp or to be crippled, to be hampered so that you cannot make forward progress. And it's this combination, it's indecision, but indecision is often caused by fear attacking our heart. So we do not have to live in fear. God, we all know the scripture, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound and disciplined mind. Reactionary living almost always gets us in trouble. Proactive living from your relationship with God, from the word of God, keeps you on the right path. When we're just reacting to everything that goes on, and we get in this place where when there are all these things going on that can be of concern, and there are real things going on in the world and in our life and all of that, If we're not careful, it's very easy to get down and immersed in those things and just live reactively. We're not supposed to pray reactively. We're not supposed to live reactively. This is not the life that God has called us to. So another thing that fear can do is it causes us to misjudge the real danger, to misjudge the things that are out there. Um, I remember a story that my brothers told me several times, and Bob, I may miss this up, so forgive me. Um, but he and his wife, Anne, she had uh, ridden as a passenger with him for years on, on their motorcycles. And they did a lot of that was their deal. Then they take vacation, they go touring. So at one point, she started riding her own bike, and she had taken a course and, and all of that, but was still real new at it. And they took off from there in Montana and headed out to the West Coast. And um, they were... And and as I tell you this story, realize that today he looks back on this whole thing and says, we shouldn't have done that trip. She wasn't ready for that trip. Nevertheless, they took off. They got out to, it was either Oregon or Washington. And uh, they were going down some curvy mountain roads, descending some mountains, lots of curves in the road. She was a new rider and there were lots of logging trucks. 
And so she was slowing way down for every corner and putting herself in grave danger for the real danger that was the logging trucks. And they pulled over at one point, and I'm sure this was incredibly frustrating to her, but they pulled over at one point and, um, and he said, you're being afraid of the wrong thing. And he was concerned for her. He wasn't rebuking her. He was just saying, you're afraid of the wrong thing. The curve isn't anywhere near as dangerous as the trucks are. And we do that in life. And we'll do that. And, what, and the spiritual application of this is that something will come along in our life that concerns us, that, that causes fear, or that is going to be hurtful, and we don't want to go that direction. And we will often be more afraid of that thing happening or not happening than we are of the decision we would make to deal with that thing, which would open us up to... Uh, it's a, it would be a bad spiritual decision. Let me give you some examples of that. We've known people who were so, I'm going to use the term afraid, I don't know if that's exactly right, but they were so afraid of being alone in life that they would get into a relationship with someone who didn't know the Lord, didn't want to know the Lord, didn't care about knowing the Lord, and and they would try to go forward with that, and it was incredibly hurtful to them. It What usually happens in those situations is they end up compromising their walk with God. They don't have their time in the morning. They leave church and gathering with the believers. They leave all those kinds of things behind because they get pressure from the person who doesn't care about those things. So in making that decision to bring that person into their life and meet a need, in making that decision, they don't realize it, but they're really making the decision to diminish their spiritual life, which is a lot bigger deal than anything we face here on this planet. We see people that are so afraid of not being able to pay a bill that they won't begin to tithe. They won't begin to apply financial principles from the Bible to their life and see increase from that. And so they, they just live in that constant cycle. There are things that we can choose to do. We've been in situations where we needed a job, but that job would require us to be out of church. Well, church, uh, hearing the word, being with believers, serving God, all of that, all that goes into church was more valuable to us. And we knew it in the long run. That is a much more important thing than having this job. God can provide other jobs. But, but we had to live by that priority, not be so afraid of not being able to find a job that we compromised that. And a year down the line, we're not reading our Bible anymore. We're not walking with God. We're just doing things on our own. There are times where something in the natural that we're concerned about is not near as big a deal as our keeping that spiritual walk. And if that thing's going to interfere with your spiritual walk, it's of a greater danger than what you might be, what might be right in front of your face right now. Does that make sense to you? Okay. The fear of man, of other people's opinions, can cause us to compromise our walk with God, can cause us to you know, uh, to compromise our witness for the Lord, to compromise our increasing and growing in our knowledge of God. There are, there are all kinds uh, of examples of this, but sometimes fear will cause you to mis-evaluate problems. And, and it, 
fear can cause us to seek safety or shelter in things that have no ability to protect us. And the scripture for that is Proverbs 20, verse 7. It says, some trust in chariots, some in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. Some nations, the psalmist was saying, put their trust in their military. We, Israel, put our trust in the name of the Lord our God. And actually that that phrase there, we put our trust, it literally means we choose to actively remember the power in the name of the Lord our God. All right, and if you don't choose to actively remember the power in the name of the Lord our God, your trust won't be there, okay? You'll start looking to other things. Fear, fear can do that. We put, our, we put our trust in money. We put our trust in government. We put our trust in somebody else. We put our trust in our skills. There are just so many, you know, so many natural things that are not bad things and even some are necessary things, but it's not where our, our trust belongs. Does that make sense to you, okay? So, most of the, you know, you need to realize that those things that we often put our trust in, they don't have the care and personal care and concern for you that God does, you know, nor the ability to do anything about it, okay? So the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear, right? That means as we grow in a revelation of God's love for us and commitment to us, fear is eradicated for our life. It becomes bigger, okay, than whatever is, you know, whatever we're afraid of. If you find yourself continually slipping into fear, you need, or I need, a greater revelation of the love of God for your life. You need to spend more time with God, more time in his word, more time in his presence, and he will impart that security to you. If you find yourself, you're looking at things around, you find yourself, uh, Slipping into fear frequently, you need a greater revelation of God's love for you. That's what casts fear out of your life. Um, what, what tends to happen is that we start, we talked about this last week, we start feeding on the wrong things. We, are, we have banquet tables. I call them troughs, actually, of feed out there before us right now of worry and uh, fear and concern and problems for the future. It's, it's out there. It's everywhere. If you're watching the news, if you're reading the paper, if you're, I mean, it's the world's way. They want to draw you into fear. They make a lot of money off of your fear. Okay. The news media makes a ton of money off of your fear. And so that is a strategy, the spirits behind that, there's the spirits of fear, the spirits of offense, the spirits of division want to use that. So what tends to happen to us, and, and I could spend all morning talking about this, I'm just going to describe it to you, is we tend, if, if we're looking too much at natural things, then we tend to come into this place and this perspective where we are immersed in natural things, natural problems, and actually natural solutions, but especially natural problems. That is our world. We are living down here in the midst of those. And we are trying to live in that place as Christians. And so we are calling out to heaven, trying to retrieve something from heaven uh, to bring into that world, to solve a problem. We're calling out to God for a solution. 
We are not actually supposed to live like that. We are supposed to live from a heavenly perspective, not an earthly perspective. We are supposed to be, we are supposed to have, the Bible says, our minds fixed on Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. We are in Christ. We, our true spiritual place is we are seated. And I know this doesn't, your brain doesn't get this. I know. Nevertheless, it's true. We are seated with him at the right hand of God. So our perspective should be, we are immersed in God and his nature and heavenly provision. That we are immersed in that. And then we release that toward issues on earth. Those two things may sound alike. They aren't at all alike to live. So if we are immersing ourselves in the stuff here, we are going to continually live down in this, this lower life that is, is really not where we're supposed to. We'll end up being really impressed with the size of our problem and only somewhat impressed with God and his solution. We can magnify, you know, the Bible says magnify the Lord. It mean, You know what that means? It means magnify the Lord. Did you ever use a magnifying glass? Did you ever use your, probably you've never seen one. Okay, your phone has a magnifying glass app. What does it do? It makes it big so you can really see it. The scripture says magnify the Lord, not magnify the problem. If we live with a magnification of the problem, we're always going to live from that earthly perspective. All right, let's jump to the next one. Regret, okay? I'll try to go through this a little quickly. Regret wants to bind us to past mistakes so that we are afraid to make another decision for the future. Keeps us immobilized, all right? Regret, all of us have regrets. I've got loads of regrets. I've got loads of, there are things I deeply regret from before I was saved, all right? But those things have been forgiven. They're under the blood of Christ. That guy was crucified with Christ, died and buried with him, and was raised to a new life. I don't want to repeat those things. I want to be wiser than that. But I also will not live my life attached to those things because Jesus dealt with it. There are things I regret since I was born again. There are things I regret that I've done in the ministry. We all have regrets. It's a part of life. But if you continue to focus on those things in the past, they will become your future. If you continue to focus on those things and stay attached to those things, you're going to have no freedom. And so the bottom line is you can't change the past, but you can today begin to apply the principles of Scripture to set the course of a different future. You've got to let go of those things. And listen, I understand some of them are really hard to let go of. I'm not minimizing this. Sometimes, you know, it is a real struggle. So here are a few things to watch for. If you're constantly saying, should I have Asking that question, should I have, should I have done this? Or should I have not done that? Should I have, should I have? Okay, what you're doing is you're, I, I was trying to think of a nicer word than dithering, but it is, it's what we're doing. We're sticking to it, right? We're, we're dithering over options that are no longer available. Should I have, well, maybe, but you can't change that you did. You did, okay? Should I have, well, you did. All right, so, so what's the solution to that? You've got to, we all want to get God's wisdom 
going forward. We don't want to repeat it. So let it go. Let the Lord receive his forgiveness, receive his, and, and, his freedom, and then move forward. Asking God for wisdom. Lord, I don't ever want to repeat that. All right. Here's another one. If only I'd have. Right. If only I'd have done this, then all this would have gone like this. You were presenting uh, facts that are not in evidence. You are presenting, if I'd have done this, oh, then they'd have done that, and then we'd have done this, and da, da, da. You don't know any of that. You cannot predict if you'd made a different, that is unrealistic. If you are making, if you're saying, oh, if only I'd have done this, if I'd have said that, if I'd have had a different, then everything would have gone on this path. You're making it up. You do not know what other things would have happened after you made that decision. So you have to let it go. You cannot change. You're assuming an outcome that is completely unverifiable. Okay? And so our only option there, again, we all have regrets. We use repentance, which means I've changed Lord, I have adjusted my thinking. I've changed it from the way I used to think to the way you think. I've changed it. I have sorrow over making that decision. So I've grabbed hold of the way that you think. And then, Lord, give me your wisdom so that I never do that again. And alert me if I'm ever at that place and I don't realize I'm at that place before I make that decision again. In that way, you can move forward. You apply repentance. It sets you free and you can move forward. Uh, the cousin of if only I'd have is if only I wouldn't have. Okay, and it's the same thing. You know, you're assuming an outcome that you can't verify. So there's no point in hanging on to it. But again, I realize some of these decisions we get faced with are big decisions. And they not only affect us, but they affect others. God can change your future, no matter what you did in the past. It doesn't derail his plan for your life. So move on, move forward, press into him, grab on. If you start hearing these things uh, go on, then you know, you, you've got to stop them at some point, And you've got to let those things go. And you've got to move on. All right, waiting for the full answer or perfect conditions, right? Or, or for you to feel good enough about yourself before you take the first step that God is giving you. That'll keep you in place. That'll hold, that's an immobilizer. Waiting for conditions. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, He who observes the wind and waits for all conditions to be favorable will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. You will be stationary. Uh, and we do it. We, you know, we say, well, I can't talk to my friend about the Lord because I'm not perfect. Well, guess what? <laughs> the first time you talk to your friend about the Lord will be after you're face to face with Jesus because that's the first time you're going to be perfect. You know, I, I can't step out into this because I don't have all the information. I don't know exactly how it's going to work out. This is called walking by faith. Okay, God gives us steps. As he gives us a step, take it. Okay, um, so I'm going to throw this one in here. It kind of relates to these, but I couldn't find the right place for it. So, so another phrase we can watch for in our own hearts and minds and things we're saying is someday I'll, okay, someday I'll do this. Someday I'll do that. God does give us dreams 
before it's time for them to be fulfilled. So we should all have a vision for the future. We should all have some someday aisles in a certain way. But if that kind of procrastination becomes your, your natural bent and approach in life, it's all someday aisle. It's all pushed into the future. It's all pushed into the future, so you're not really very responsible for it because it's not today, okay? If that becomes your standard operating procedure, you, you, need, to, you need to break some of that. There are times where, and we talk to people like this a lot, they're saying, well, I feel like the Lord's saying this. They're calling me that way. Here's how God does that. I think 100% of the time, maybe it's only 99.98% of the time. When he gives us a dream, what he then does, it's, it's big. It challenges us because he wants to flood it. He wants to fill it. He wants to make it happen. So it's too big for us to do. When he starts calling us forward, what he does is start giving us steps in preparation for that dream. You got to take the steps. So it really ties into not waiting for the whole thing to be there before you take the first step. You just have to take the, and probably the first step's challenging. But if you don't take the step, you'll never get there. If you just keep it in, oh, someday, and oh, that's cool, and wouldn't that be great? You know, Karen, all of our married life, has said she wanted to do watercolor painting. And there wasn't really time for it. It wasn't time, you know, for that to be a reality in her life or in our life. But it was a desire that never went away in her heart. It was something she'd wanted to do forever. And so several years ago, five or six, seven already, seven years ago, she decided she felt like it's time. So what did she do? She got some stuff, brushes and whole table full of stuff these days. You think motorcycles multiply. Look at anyway, uh, she got the stuff. She took a course. She started watching things online. She started trying. She took steps. And now she does some really incredible work and it just keeps growing, you know? She decided to take the steps. And a lot of times we talk about that with people in their spiritual lives where it's like, okay, take the first step. Start meditating these scriptures. Work through repentance about that so you can leave it behind. You know, whatever it might be, take the steps. Don't keep it out there always in someday aisle, Okay. I'm going to go over a little bit today. I've been stacking up these few minutes at a time, right? The last few weeks. But I, I want to at least touch on this other list that I have here. So shame, we don't probably need to take a lot of time on that. Shame, understand, it will keep you living in, in this place where you see yourself as not worthy of God, of his blessing, of his plan for your life. Shame addresses identity. It says you are broken, you are unworthy, you are forever broken, you cannot be forgiven, you cannot be fixed. You, you are, it addresses identity. Conviction from the Lord addresses behavior. It says, because you are a child of God, because you are my child and I have a great plan for your life, this behavior needs to change. Shame comes in and says, God doesn't even recognize you as his child. You are broken. You are a mess. You are unfit and unworthy of being fixed. All right, see the difference between those two? So the devil wants to keep us living in shame. 
And he wants to keep us in that place where we just can't move forward because we think we're still that old person. When the scripture says, we're not that old person. That person died with Christ, was crucified with Christ, and now lives in the power of the Son of God. All right, that has to become a reality to us. So we've talked a lot about shame. It'll keep you living in a false image that you put out to people, all kinds of things. But uh, we're going to just leave it there for this morning. All right. So here are some things you can do to keep moving forward. All right. And the first one is never stop sowing into the future that I, I put down here that you want to live more than that that God has for you. All right, never stop planting seed. Never allow a present lack to keep you from planting whatever God has given you. What is in your hand? What is in your, what is in your hand? Turn over to Jesus. What is in your hand? I've got this lack of relationship in my life. Well, who can you go out and befriend? Who can, and I'm not talking about being needy in that. I'm talking about give something away to people. I have this financial need. Then give something away financially. Give something. You've got something. I don't have any money. Well, you've got something because God gives us seed to sow. And contained in that seed is the full harvest of what he has for us and more seed to sow. But if you never sow the seed, you won't go forward. So wherever we are in life all the time, and as we progress, progress forward, we need to remember that we've got to sow. Sow what God has given you today. Plant it, give it, put it out there so that it can multiply just live that life thinking, what do I have? Instead of what don't I have? What do I have? If you want to keep moving forward, you've got to change that mentality. What do I have? All right. Second one is let God lead. Now, that sounds really silly. But the truth is, if you want to be led by God, then you have to let God lead. And, and so in that, we've, we've got to let God set the priorities of our life. We've got to work with God's timing and schedule. All right. Doesn't mean just becoming passive. It just means seeking God about Lord, what are your priorities for my life? We've got to let God lead in what scriptures we are digging into and meditating on and feeding on at any given time. There is a word for you, I believe, all the time. There's something God is emphasizing. Stay there. Stay there. Stay on that word. Keep feeding on it until the Lord moves you. And then he'll probably come back to that one, but he'll start emphasizing something else. That's letting God lead. Just be faithful over what he has shown. But I'm wondering about this. Let God lead. If he's talking about this, stay on this. Does that make sense to you? I mean, this is just really simple stuff, but we, we get tripped up by this kind of stuff. All right, let the Holy Spirit decide which sin issues he wants to be dealing with in your life at this time. Whatever changes, whatever adjustments he's wanting to make in your heart, let him lead. So often, and I did this when I was first born again, I was like, God, I, I know you're addressing, I can see, I mean, the scripture's standing out to me in this area, but isn't this more, isn't this a worse sin over here, you know? But he didn't address that right then. He addressed it later, but he had a process. It's called discipleship, and he knows what he's doing. 
He will disciple you through the word. He'll disciple you through people he brings into your life. Let God lead. Don't keep taking your thing to him all the time. Let God select your community. Let him plant you in a church. Let him bring some friends around you. Let him, uh, let him select and, the, and probably remove some old friends from you as you're growing in God. If there are people that are, oh, I think we've all had this, that are a detriment to your progress in God, you don't have to be ugly about it, but you got to make a different choice about where you spend your time and your focus. If those people are not promoting your walk with God, then why are you doing that? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I mean, it's so true, all right? This one is so important, and we don't have time to look at it. You need to write down Numbers chapter 9. Number 9, number 9. You need to write down Numbers... uh, Sorry, I shouldn't go to the Beatles when I'm trying to (laughs) preach. Uh, Numbers chapter 9, verses 15 through 23. We've read these a lot of times. There's this whole section of scripture about how the Lord led Israel in the wilderness. And it just repeats itself over and over and over because God's trying to emphasize it. And it says, when the presence came down on the tabernacle, that's where they camped, that's where they stayed. And they stayed there. Sometimes the presence rose the next morning and they'd get up and move. And sometimes it stayed for a long time and they stayed. And when it moved, they moved. And when it stayed, they stayed. And it goes through it over and over and over, trying to get through our thick skulls that we need to live that way. Figure out, listen, here's the bottom line. Jesus is not on or in every desire that you have. He is not on or in every opportunity that comes along. Just because you have an opportunity doesn't mean God opened a door. Okay, that's such a misuse of those verses, but I don't have time to hit it right now. Figure out, learn how to sense the presence of God is on this in my life, on this study, on this attitude, on this opportunity. That's where the presence of God is. And that's where I'm going to stay until he leads me on. Then I'm going to move. I'm not going to make a whole life out of this when God's moving me on to this, right? Figure out where the presence of God is resting. Where is the anointing? Where is is God uh, resting in your life? And you can just sense the presence of God and he's he's speaking to you about it. He's leading you in it. Every time you listen to somebody preach, they're talking about it. That's the spirit of God. And, And let it take as long as it takes. If you want to keep moving forward, we have to stay with God. We have to move when he moves and stay where he stays. Okay, and both of those things take some wisdom. Okay, and never be moved by fear. You know, we are, I think we already, we already hit that well enough. So my final point this morning, other than to say about fear, God never motivates you by fear. It's not his nature. His nature is love. It's not fear, right? So it's, if, if it's coming from fear, don't do it. I'm not talking about don't put out the fire in your living room. You know, I'm just, I'm saying if there's something and it's coming from fear and you think it's motivating you to go some other way, just don't do it. doesn't mean you have to jump into the fire. It just means don't take that bait because God doesn't motivate you that way. 
Okay? Um, and keep moving forward. That's been, of course, the title of this whole thing. But again, I told you the first week, that is a principle that the Lord has used with Karen and I so many times where we knew he'd called us to something, but we didn't know the fullness of it. We didn't know how we were going to get there. We didn't know how it was going to work out. And we'd pray about it and the Lord say, just keep moving forward. Just take the next step. I show you that comes down to do what you know to do. Don't leave your foundations. Do what you know to do. Just do what the word says to do. Do what you know. Sometimes I have no idea how this is going to work out. And the Lord will put the simplest thing in front of you that's the right thing. And you just do it. It can be as practical as raking the leaves in the backyard. I mean, it's just do the next right thing. Okay? Apply what you already know. Don't quit applying what you already know because you don't know something else. Just apply it. Just keep walking in the principles. Keep sowing and reaping. Keep walking in the knowledge of God. Keep letting that grow in you when you don't know the fullness of where things are going. Okay? Take the next small step and listen carefully for instruction or correction. Sometimes we just have to, it's, it's hard to, you know, to steer a ship that's not moving. You, you need to move. And sometimes, don't, don't jump off the cliff, but sometimes you just take a step this way. Even sometimes it's just inside. Sometimes it's stepping out a little bit into something. But, but it's like as you move, you'll either have a witness that, yep, you're headed the right way, or you will have a check in your spirit that that's not it. I still don't know which way I'm supposed to go, but I know that's not it. So then I can step back and then I can push a little bit over here. You know, but just take the next small step and, and listen. Put up your spiritual ears for instruction. For, for yes, this is the way. No, this isn't. All right. Never let go of the knowledge that God is with you. He's on your side. And he does have a great plan for your life. He wants to move you forward in it. Okay. Never let go of that. When you're confused, when you don't know exactly what you're supposed to be doing, Sometimes we start to feel the stagnation coming on. We know there's something more. Some of the most confusing times for us and for most people that I know that I've talked to on this level are when God's getting ready to move you into something new. And and there's just that kind of interim where I, I, I get this, but I'm not quite sure where I'm supposed to be you know, where I'm supposed to be going or how this is going to work out. Transition times. Because your heart, when God transitions you from one thing to another, your heart has been engaged here and that's been the right place to be. When we left Believer Center to come up here and plant this church, it was like, man, we knew we were called there and our heart was there and we loved the people and we, you know, but God had something else. And it was, you can feel confused in those times So you have to settle back into, but God, I know that you know us, you know our faults, you know our weaknesses, you know how to get us from here to there. We know you have a great plan for our life. And so we're just going to trust you in this. And we're only going to take the steps that you show us to take. Does that make sense? All right. There's about a million things we could talk about in that. Let's stand up and pray together. I I did use up a few of my extra minutes. I might be starting over. All right, let's pray together this morning. Father, we just thank you. Lord, 
I just, I know I always say it this way, but it's so true. I just thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you have made a way and a path for us and that you have this tremendous plan and purpose for everybody. And, for, and as we come to you and as we make Jesus Lord of our lives, Lord, we start to walk in that path. And Father, every one of us, I believe these people could be somewhere else, Lord, they want your will for their lives. And Lord, we don't want to be stuck. We don't want to be mired in. Lord, our past is our past. We give it to you. And we ask you to make our way forward clear, step by step by step. And Holy Spirit, just bring back these principles to us as we walk through practical everyday life. We thank you for doing that. We thank you that our future is bright, that you always have hope for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to be dismissed on the count of three. We're going to say together, Jesus, we're going to mean it. Okay. Let's mean it this time. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. And then hopefully you'll see every one of you here tonight at six o'clock, but be sure and sign up. Okay. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.